Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. Is it episode 132? One, it's 32, right? Yeah, yeah, 132. It's episode goodness. 132, yeah. and we're welcoming a new guest in studio, one we've never had before. And if you guys are listening to this in your car right now, and you're thinking, I'm on my way to work, a good podcast to listen to, it's wait. mostly visual. Yeah. <laughs> wait until you get to work. It's be very visual. Put on a second monitor and plug in the podcast over on the Facebook page because the audio will be better in the audio podcast, but the video is awesome. And mm. who doesn't want to see those blue eyes of Ryan Smith? Stand behind here. I've got a definite <laughs> face for radio. so That's hardly I, true. They, they didn't tell me this was video until I got here. So, no, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> Do you see how well his hair's done? He knew. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what's funny? People ask how much time I spend on the hair. I don't get the question, but honestly, I get it wet and I do this and I walk out the good. door like 10 seconds nice. later. Yeah, no so one ever asks me how long I spend on my hair. In fact, I'm not even sure how much I have underneath this hat. Should I just finally like Some, reveal it? You've, you've revealed see. it a few times. Like in a couple videos. Oh, wow. Like this is Aaron King. I've got an island and I have the rest <laughs> of my hair. And so I don't really love it. I don't feature it. Plus, even when I had a full head of hair, I wore my hat. You get a new good. hat, buddy. Wait, wait, I brought wait. you guys hats. Oh, this was for us? I brand thought we were having a giveaway. New. Nice. Brand new. If you guys for already you guys. need a workshop looking. to go to in southern Utah, there's only one person that I'm willing to comp like actual actual <laughs> advertise for, even though straight competitors of Photog Adventures, and it's Icon <laughs> Photo Tours. You guys want to go with David Swindler and out with Ryan Smith, it'd be an awesome workshop. Check out their stuff. Go to captureicons.com. Wow. And you came prepared. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, on the workshop side, I work with a lot of people. That, oh, that okay. That's because I don't call it Ryan Smith Photography Workshops is because mm. I really want to work in their strength in working together with multiple people. Sure. So it's yeah. kind of a, an unbranded personal thing, but you know, the sky's the limit oh, on partnerships and coordination cool. because everybody brings to the table. You know, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, new thing. So Jerry Patterson I've nice. done, um, you know, with me and, and David. And yeah, so it's okay. fun. The cool. first question I'll ask is from a beginner printer. Brendan knows more than I do. So this is coming from a complete noob. When I'm thinking about printing and I take my print over, sometimes I keep it in Adobe RGB, but I know I should probably move it to CMYK. Is that always true? Uh, personally, I keep it because the, the printer profiles. Keep it meaning which one? sRGB. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason why is I use a variety of labs and I found that just keeping it there seems to be a more universal print profile. Can you pull that mic up a little bit? Uh, yeah, like in Just front. between you and Brendan. Yeah. Yeah, so you're oh, talking okay. through it. Perfect. So, you know, ultimately I keep it there because most labs seem to have that universal language. And I've okay. found a, a more consistent look and feel to the colors. Uh, whereas, you know, with any other color profiles, it seems like every lab's going to get it different. And, you know, sRGB2 is kind of a universal among most computers so that when you're posting on social right. media, I just want a consistent look and feel so that when people see it online, if they like it online, they're going to like it in person too. So, Okay. So when with, with lesser, I've had experience with another printer recently that 
converting it to CMYK was actually easier for them to change it. But I don't think they were, they're not like a professional lab though. Oh, I got you. So they, they had just barely gotten like a big wide printer. And so the 53 inch, you know, by 53 inch that we had printed, they had to turn the yellows way down. Oh, I had okay. sent them, but they didn't know how to do that the first time because the girl was new. Uh, and so well, I think and it saved them a lot of time in the long run, but uh, it, would have been, it was just a big mess. SRGB before was just throwing everything off the, because they just didn't have things profiled. They had crappy monitors. It just oh. didn't. So it wasn't a pro lab. So I guess it depends on where you actually send your image. Yeah, you know, in, in one thing is I try to keep consistent. And so that's another reason why I'll only use specific print labs. That's a good um, idea. You know, so that it's consistent. And what's interesting is when you're printing on metal, a lot of the times it's not, has nothing to do, the final outcome has nothing to do with the print itself, but if it's overcooked under pressure or at a different temperature, because, oh. you know, printing on metal is not really printing on metal. It's more pressed under heat and pressure right, right. Uh, through dye sublimation and vaporized ink. And so a lot of the times if they don't get it right, that can also affect the color as well mm. as the brightness. And so it can be tricky. Hmm, interesting. So you've got two or three favorites that you... I do. I've got a private printer here in Utah that does all my local stuff for me. And then uh, Nevada Art Printers does my big luxury acrylics, which are the higher end. And, uh, you know, I've been very, very happy with them. And uh, occasionally I'll do do other print labs if I need to. But those are kind of my my two go-tos. Keep talking. Keep rolling through this. Keep rolling. They're complaining about not seeing your face. They miss it already. So you still yeah, have face I knew it. Radio. I called it, guys. I knew it. And I was thinking about doing that before we started. But This isn't about learning printing. This is about getting eye candy on Photog Adventures. <laughs> I don't know where that's coming from. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Yeah, is that better? Okay. <laughs> now we're m- more consistent. So yeah, so I majority print on metal. I do, you know, the the acrylics, the high end. I'm doing more of those as people see them and mm. become more familiar with the differences between the two. The and, acrylic's uh, pretty bright, right? Like there's a they print on the backside, and then you have that clear, thick clear between the print and the end. A, yeah, you know, acrylics differ from manufacturer to or print lab to print lab, but Nevada Art Printers actually prints it on a very special paper called Lumachrome. Okay. So the acrylic's not called Lumachrome. It's actually the, the you know, uh, the paper that's special to them and unique to them. Okay. And it's kind of a silver base looking. If you've been to like oh, Peter Lick yeah, Gallery, yeah. he does he does not do Lumachrome, but he does the Fuji Flex with a special paper out of his lab. But it really okay. gives a beautiful depth to it. And then the acrylic is surface mount. Um, in addition to this, you know, unique and awesome paper. So, so they put like the paper up against the acrylic. So it's got like that thick yep. border and all that. Yeah. Okay. It gives okay. a little bit more depth, like depth to the to image. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, and what's neat about the, uh, the the process, I mean, it takes like four to six hours from print to mm. press. And, you know, the, the amount of care and attention for those is pretty impressive. Cool. So while you're still in the topic of stuff in the back of the metal print, the question came from Sabra about regular or white background metal. You know, when mm. I print with metal, I like everything bright and bright colors. And so I always, always do high gloss and white. Okay. If somebody is complaining about like possible reflections, we've got some reflections here going on. You could see kind of the ceiling fan. Um, if it bothers people, then there's other options like more of a matte metal. But I always go white. Uh, occasionally I've done some prints like of trains and rustic cars on just the metal, but you don't have the vibrancy and the pop oh, of the color yeah, yeah. That, that you do. Yeah. So good yeah, okay. question. 
So the question came from Chris Whiting. Should it be edited in sRGB or pro then and then converted? I just edit in sRGB. And, you know, to be honest, I'm not such a technical Uber print guy that could, you know, talk all the, you know, specifics as to why. It's almost like I'm just a a hacker and I've been able to get away with certain (laughs) things. And then I realize, oh, I guess I've been doing it this way and getting the results that I like. So I just continue to do that. As long as you're shooting in raw, right? And you've got yeah. that flexibility. You know, what's really <laughs> funny is the photograph behind you is was shot in JPEG. Nice. And an HDR edited in Photomatics way back nice. when, like four years ago. You know, the sad thing is, I mean, I'm doing everything totally different now. But this still maintains still? to be one of my most popular images. And so... Isn't that yeah, funny how that works out sometimes? Drives me nuts. I'm like, am I getting worse the harder I try and the more I learn? <laughs> that is a pretty stellar shot. I mean, you look at that and it's just the timing of the clouds and the mist and everything is just yeah, just gorgeous. It was a stellar day. Is that day. Tetons range? Tetons, okay. yep. Schwabacher's Landing. Yeah. Gosh, such a beautiful area. Yeah. That, and that I've never seen anything like it. That mid-layer of clouds was just creeping and... Of course, mm-hmm. four hours in the morning that I'm spending down, you know, getting the shot, I get back to the car and I look around and that mid-layer of, you know, fog came in and I'm like, that's the shot. Really? So, it came in after you were already like ready to go? Oh, I was in the car. And, and you like, got back what out. What is that? And I got back <laughs> out and shot away. Oh, that's awesome. I don't think I edited any other photographs from that whole I mean, morning. what are the chances of that happening? I mean, it, the temperature just warmed up enough to some moisture came and well, this settled along the trees? Lower you know, cloud layer, fog layer was there, but it's that thin. Oh, the gray stuff came in. Yeah, in the oh, middle. Wow. And it was so weird because it was all textured and there yeah. wasn't anything else and it was wow. just moving. I wish I did a time lapse. It would have been cool. Right, I right. I didn't even know about time t- lapses <laughs> back then. It was like, yeah, exactly. Ryan, they were asking, uh, do, Steve loosely says, do you print more on metal or canvas and which one do you prefer? So I prefer metal. I no longer print on canvas whatsoever. No um, 80-20 is probably 80% metal, 20% Lumachrome acrylic. Uh, acrylics are obviously going up because I'm you know, showing the differences more and more at the art shows and things like that. Okay. Um, yeah. Hmm. So people like the glossy depth of the acrylic. Well, in, in metals, glossy too. Really, the differences come down to it is... The acrylic, especially the Lumachrome, is the highest end print medium available. Oh, okay. Um, and the added depth is is pretty amazing. And I will say that you can gain a little bit more richer colors and sharpness in the overall print because it is a paper-based print oh, yeah. uh, versus dye sublimation. And so if you want the best of the best, it's the acrylic. But metal is pretty stunning as well. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen some really stunning metal pieces, but it's true that a paper would be best because they've been printing on paper for like a couple hundred years now you yeah, know yeah. and so it's just gotten so where metal's only been like maybe a decade or right. less you know so well and canvas yeah. you know is is kind of phasing out not a lot of people um when they see the metals they don't want canvas right and so sometimes right. when i have side by side comparison they just like i i occasionally get hey i want to order a canvas but mm-hmm. then when i show them what i'm doing with the metal and acrylic the metal by itself, regardless of the photograph, is a captivating piece by itself, sure, regardless yeah. of the image. Whereas yeah. canvas is like, oh, canvas, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to last as long and, you know, it can kind of bend and warp. And I'm looking down here because I've got a canvas 
This is, you guys want to know how this all started? Yeah. In a second after this last question, then let's go into that story. Because from our hero, Royce Bear, master Milky Way photographer, guru, and he told me not to say this, but he is a god in Milky Way photography. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He says, do you change your profile or lighten or darken for metal versus a regular glossy or luster print? Love that question. In general, I brighten everything you know it depends each image for printing i want to go to about 10 to 15 sometimes 20 percent brighter than what i like on my screen Mm -hmm. without blowing the highlights and so i don't decipher change between metal and paper prints i just do it for everything yeah so and that's because obviously our screens our phones our laptops ipads are backlit uh, in order to achieve a bright photograph, you just have to do it. And so 10 to 15%, um, you know, in Lightroom adjustments, whether that's, you know, increasing whites, increasing highlights a little bit. Highlights, you have to be careful because mm-hmm. you start kind of putting halos or even, you know, increasing the exposure a little bit or uh, backing off the contrast. I'll kind of play with each image because every image needs a different treatment. But absolutely, mm. good question, Royce. Yeah. My rule of thumb was kind of like adding at least one stop, but that's true. If you do that, you could blow highlights in some areas. So yeah. I guess it does depend on the particular image. Yeah. So I like that advice. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah just the, take a look I'll at your history. some adjustments online. Yeah. Yeah. Take a look at the histogram and then bring it to the right a little bit. And you're, you're cool. Good. But print labs too, if they do test prints, I highly recommend that if you're working with a print lab, have them do some test prints before right. you print the big ones. And, you know, that saves a lot of time and hassle to see if it's where you need it. Yeah. So Bruce points out that Jerry Patterson is the god of Milky Way. So Royce doesn't want that title anyway. So Jerry <laughs> Patterson is our god. <laughs> What's up, Bruce? Well, you know, funny thing is, Jerry will tell you this. So Jerry's one of my colleagues, you know, partners on the Icons Tours. And, mm-hmm. and uh, in fact, he was my first workshop that I personally went on. And now Mm. that we're working together, it's kind of meaningful. Well, Jerry actually looks to Royce as the God. So, you know, (laughs) Bruce, I hate to break it to you, but uh, yeah, Jerry (laughs) really refers to uh, Royce quite often. So yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. So the question comes in from Rick Tackett before you go into your story of how it all started. Are you seeing any trends when it comes to printing? What seems to be the most popular and what are people buying these days? So maybe we should save the what are people buying for later or is it a quick enough answer? No, it's good. You know, people are seeing, what's funny is metal's been around for some time now and I've done multiple shows over the last three four years and people still see it and they're amazed what is that is that printed on glass like what is Mm. this tell me like are these backlit are these TVs and so you know, the huh. metal really is catching on. Amongst photographers, we're all kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, it's been, been around. There. Yeah, yeah. But to the average consumer, even at art shows, they're just blown away. And wow, so interesting. That metal is still kind of the new thing as, as well as, you know, the acrylic. Okay. Um, acrylic has been around for much longer than metal, yeah, I believe. Yeah. But it's And I think metal became popular because it was a, a cost alternative to the expensive acrylics. Right. Um, one thing that's cool is... Some of the metals are, you know, higher graded for outdoor use. And so if people want to hang kind of things outside, there's there's higher UV ratings and that's kind of new. Okay. Uh, But it's more expensive. So yeah, good question. Hmm, Awesome. Last question before we go on the story. Do you export two versions of your photos, one for printing and one for screen? No, usually I just export once and then I'll post it. 
And then before I send to, to, you know, to print, I'll inspect it to see if it's where I want it to be and then send it to the lab. They kind of tell me, yeah, make some adjustments. But I kind of really pop the colors and the whites and in things anyway. So part of my edit flow, I typically will just have one version. What I do as well is when, when I edit, I will not for the purposes of printing or posting and having a difference, but I'll you know, export 10 or 12 different files with different looks and feels and compare them side to side and then walk away from the computer and come back the next day and see which one, you know, speaks to me more. And, and because of that, I do save multiple images. I'll do the same thing with cropping. I'll, I'll do 10 different versions and crops and see which image. So you're kind of your own critic in a way. You just come back and that's always fun to do and come back to something and be like, that needs to be adjusted. Yeah. Like I just looked at it, my some of my pictures today. I'm just like, and I just started pulling like Tony Northrup. I'm just like, okay, I'm gonna crop that a little bit. That needs to be adjusted, straightened out, whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the I'll ask one more question because it's a follow up. What yeah. is the most popular size you are seeing that's selling? Mm, you know, I I get get that question often, and it's funny. The bigger, the better. I would say I sell 32 by 48s and 40 by 60s more often now, and it's because I'm showing them more often and I'm discussing, you know, in person, um, you know, couch sizes and and things like that matter when they're doing, you know, their analysis of what they need and bigger is always better. Um, What I'm selling a lot of are three to one ratio panos. And I don't know if it's because I'm really putting more out there on my walls at some of the events, but people are loving those over couches, over beds. Um, over console tables uh, in their entryway. And so that's really hmm. been something that, that uh, I personally have seen in my own work become more popular than even just, you know, 40 by 60. So mm-hmm. cool. And are those those split ones too and the complete solid image or are they always the split three frames? So two years ago, I sold a ton of the triptychs. Mm-hmm. Not so much. Triptychs, that's not, what not yeah. so much Jeff this year. Them. And I don't know if it's because, you know, cost-wise it's more because they're right. fabricating individual pieces, um, whereas a single piece is less expensive, you know, for most labs. But the three-to-one ratio in a single image seems to be, you know, more often not about 30 to 40% of my sales right now. Wow. Right on. Well, okay, no more questions for a second, guys. If you have any questions, hold them for the selling part because we want to hear where you all came from. And you have some examples too, a part of the story. So I'm really excited to see this. Yeah, so how this how this craziness started for me was I've been in medical sales for quite some time, uh, since 2004. And a new job took me to have a multi-state territory. Oh, okay. So I was covering Utah, Colorado, uh, Idaho, Wyoming, and Montana. And I just remember seeing some amazing, beautiful sites. And so I was just documenting my journey. And, and I am not a journal writer. I do like creative writing. But, you know, to have memories, it's always been visual and pictures for yeah, me. Yeah. And so I picked up my wife's camera and, you know, said, hey, could I, could I learn photography? And in fact, it was so frustrating. We shot our engagement pictures when we got married with this camera and, you know, Canon T2i and oh, yeah. super nice camera. I was like, whoa, like I was nervous. Yeah, was you know, one of my first cameras too. Right? Yeah. And now, you know, a couple hundred bucks, I think. People yeah, are upset at the technology advancing. And yeah, old yeah. cameras aren't worth as much. But I just remember being so frustrated. Like, 
here I have this nice camera and it's just not working. Like, why is this so dark? Like, I just had no idea about camera settings. So I, I decided <laughs> I'm going to learn about it. Hmm. Well, we're in the Tetons and I was kind of laughing at all these guys carrying tripods around. And I'm like, oh my gosh, so old school. Like, why do people still use this stuff? <laughs> like Tripod users. Tripod, like big old cameras. And I'm like, Don't, do they literally they impress? not know? Like these camera phones are so amazing. And people are kind of surprised. I've only really been shooting for, you know, five years or so. Um, okay. I shot as a kid, but not like I do now. So I, I learned that, okay, well, I do get it that morning light is best. So I'm mm -hmm. going to wake up with my cell phone, with my iPhone, and get some amazing early morning light pictures. So I did the whole, you know, Mormon barn thing and, and showed up oh, early. Yeah. And yeah, I had never shot there before, and these guys are looking at me like, who's this crazy guy waking up like a photographer, getting excited <laughs> about shooting <laughs> pictures of the mall barn with his cell phone? I think we saw you there. Uh, right? <laughs> I actually, was that guy. <laughs> we did see a guy at the Molten Barn doing that. Remember? That's true. Yeah, we but did. But it wasn't him because we talked to him. Yeah, yeah. He was a producer of film out of L.A. Oh, okay. worked with like a He uses TV like 8K studio. cameras and stuff, but he's just like, I just like to shoot with my phone. He's and... like, Snapseed and my yep. phone is perfect. I don't yep. need anything Absolutely. else. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I posted those pictures and then someone commented, oh my gosh, great usage of rule of thirds. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what rain is the rule what? of thirds? <laughs> I'm like, what do you, so I messaged this person and, um, she's like, Oh yeah. Like composition. And I'm like, what, huh? What? Like composition. What does that mean? <laughs> I guess naturally I set up the shot to be powerful without knowing composition. And from that moment, so on, for, yeah. I was like, oh, geez, like I need to learn this photography stuff and where to put horizons. And so that kind of <laughs> developed a passion, but I took one of the pictures, my dad loved it, and I wanted to print it for him. Mm. It looks so good on screen. So that's what this is right here. Oh, okay. Let's see. So from the phone to from print. From the phone to print in canvas, luxury canvas. So that is the image with completely blown out sky highlights. Beautiful. <laughs> I, I feel like touching it like our screen to kind of lower the light. No, you can't go up there and target that and set the settings for the brightest part of the image now. <laughs> but he loved it. And you know what? Like, I was pretty proud of this thing. I was like, wow. For like a phone a, shot? For yeah. For a phone shot? Like, this is a 16 by 24. And it, it kind of came out nice. Yeah. So this sat on his wall and everybody, like, commented, oh, that's such a beautiful picture. What kind of camera did you use? And... And as I looked at it more and more, I was really disappointed with the clarity and, and mm. things. And so this picture motivated me to then take my wife's camera around with me and learn, you know. I do with better, better sensor, better lenses. Better stuff. So, okay. you know, I wanted to, to print more. And so I don't even know the, the time difference, but I went back to the Molten Barn and I took this shot. This one is on metal. Let's see if I got any better. <laughs> Do you think maybe it's like a year later or six months later? I'd have to look because this was maybe two or three, three years later, maybe. Okay, we're looking at like uh, at least ten times improvement there. <laughs> Bernie was saying at least ten times improvement with that. Maybe hundred times. I mean, that is dramatically better. I think Dramatic. the live stream just went two thirds worse since it's only me that's visible. 
<laughs> but this shot was uh it was kind of funny you know i had a few uh a, a few buddies who uh you know, we're up in the Tetons with me. Yeah, this gorgeous. Night. Holy cow, it's a good timing. It has a great sunset no shot. No kidding, right? So you're out there with buddies and... And I'm like, hey, where are we shooting sunset? They're like, uh, we're in the Tetons. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, so right. where are we shooting sunset? Where are we shooting? <laughs> oh, the Mormon Row Barnes, that's, a, that's only a sunrise shot. And I'm like... Mm. Then I'm learning things like light and how important it is to hit the barn you know, uh, in the morning for people. So I showed up, this was in October. I was the only person in there. For sunset? For sunset. Nice. By myself. And that sky lit up and it, it looked like a fire. So I call it Teton Night Fire. Yeah. <laughs> and I learned then that, you know, so many people have this, you know, have certain, you know, aspects and rules of like, oh, well, this place is only good during then. I learned that... Mm. You know, there is no such thing. Just show up and shoot and, you know, you might catch magic. And so right. the Moulton family who owned the property and gave it to Teton National Park still have kind of uh, an ownership in it in the fact that they raise funds to take care of the barns and support oh, right. them and restore it. They took that as kind of the poster child for their really? uh, efforts. And so that mm. became kind of a, a really <laughs> nice. cool vehicle for me. And then... A little bit after that is when I was able to get into a gallery with the image behind us, and that's where the print sales just started and everything began up in Jackson Hole for me. Okay. Wow. okay. So we know the selling started in Jackson Hole. So let's transition into the selling side after last little bookend of the printing lesson because we want to learn as much as we possibly can from printing. You bet. So if you think about the... I think five is too many to say. So the three things that you know now that you would tell Ryan Smith five years ago on what you need to do to print correctly, what would those three most important things be? Yeah, you know, I would say the first is, well, and it it kind of goes back to, to composition, you know, getting it right in camera, composition, getting things set in, in when you're in the field and you know you've got a wall hanger, you know, just take the time. You're only going for one shot. Mm. And why I say that is I was up in a, a lake and I was shooting astrophotography and I forgot to change my aperture and uh, got <laughs> blurry mountains. Oh, it was oh. like, you know. Wide open? Oh, wide open. Okay. Blurry mountains. And you can never recover that. Right. And so getting things patiently in camera first is by far the most important thing when it comes to printing. And it's not even part of printing. It's just... You know, getting things right before and thinking with the end in mind. Okay, is this going to go on the wall or is this just for mm. social media? So image quality up front. Up front. Getting the best quality shot you can. Yep. When you're there. Okay. You know, in, in you know, so I think the second thing too is find a lab that's consistent. Um, you know, the, the worst thing that you could have happen to you is have great photos, but if a lab... If you're taking it to Walgreens or if you're taking it to Costco to save money, I think Costco's gotten a lot better because they're using different labs. But if you're putting something on the wall, do it justice and, and go with a good, solid quality printer mm. to, to really give your imagery a, a nice boost. Uh, and then the third thing that I would suggest for those who want to print is print as big as you can, print as big as you can afford. Um, you know, the difference between a small print and a big print is, is you know, like huge when you're coming to marketing. Mm. Um, you know, people just 
don't have an aha experience if it's not big. But when you print big and someone comes and sees it for the first time, it allows the viewer to walk into the photograph. And so, (laughs) you know, if you're looking to sell, have a booth, have, you know, just go big or go home. (laughs) Nice. Neil Zingle asked about printing. Would you print an image at home before sending it to a print shop? No, because what I have at home is really not going to do it justice. And I would hate to be disappointed on the print at home and then make adjustments that I don't need to. So that's why I really like the lab that I use where they'll do some test prints and and print it for me. If I'm not going to print the end result at home, there's no no purpose for me printing at home, uh, in my opinion. You said to get it right in the camera first. So just a couple gear questions since it kind of fits. Getting it right in camera first with what lens? What's your favorite landscape lens? Well, it's changed. It used to be wide open. You know, I think it used to be, you know, 16 to 35. And that's still really a good popular lens for me. But I really like the 24 to 105 or 24 to 70 range. Hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm really getting more into the intimate landscapes and more meaningful imagery uh, but then I have a Kauai image with a really cool, uh, a really cool wave, and I call it the Tempest, and that was shot all the way at 600 millimeters zoom. Ooh, and so, nice. no such thing as best lens to use for landscapes. It's taking a look at your goals and what you're trying to shoot and what's in front of you and capture it. Uh, but I would say zoomed in is kind of the the common theme. Zoom in more than it's comfortable you know, when you're in the field. It's well, not and a 70 to 200 them. is a very popular lens yeah. for landscapes, Yeah, which you wouldn't think, you know, think you'd be better for portraits and stuff, but for landscapes, people are rocking it all oh, the yeah. time and getting some great shots. Absolutely. So. so then on those lenses, do you use filters often or is it just something sometimes? Yeah, you know, so I bracket all my shots and it's not always about the bracketing to merge or to do HDR or blends or anything, but sometimes bracketing allows me to see something ahead of time before I edit to see if I like more of a dark moody feel or if mm, I like yeah. a light bright. And if I do miss it, I've got the brackets to blend and, and you know, if, if that's needed. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my setup. I do use filters. I'll use uh, polarizers for water. I had a polarizer on this camera. You have to be careful with old polarizers uh, just because a lot of the times it will modify clouds and throw some funky colors and mm-hmm. clouds. But uh, I use the Nisi filter system. They were That's asking specifically what filters. Yeah. This is perfect. The Nisi yeah. system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you'll see, you know, full disclosure, I'm, I'm an ambassador for Nisi, but it's not because they oh. you know, allow me to test out stuff. It's really I chose the brand who I had the best results with. But for oh, me... Okay. You know, the photography comes first before any type of support or, you know, uh, partnerships. Yeah. And what I like about them is they've got a a system with a circular polarizer that allows it to be touch-free. So no more getting polarizers stuck on on the front of my lens. (laughs) Um, And then you're able to integrate your polarizer with three pieces of glass if needed. I usually shoot with polarizer plus a, a graduated ND filter. Um, they just came out with like a great system that they're sending me this week. In fact, the V6 version six um, with a different enhanced polarizer should be pretty killer to check out. But um, water, always a polarizer, whether it's a waterfall, whether it's a reflection shot um, outside of water. I don't usually use polarizers. Sometimes people get really excited about glare on leaves and things like that. 
if it's kind of been rainy, I'll, I'll consider using a polarizer. But I would say a graduated neutral density filter um, on 30% of my shots when there's clouds in the sky. And it really brings out more texture uh, and more appearance. Um, also, the, the night filters that Nisi have are pretty awesome to eliminate mm. any light pollution. And it's, you know, I heard somebody talking about it, you know, that it's, you know, just eliminating a specific color, but it's not. It's actually a specific type of light that it filters out. So it's not mm. just coloring light that's different, but you see a visible difference in night photography by using their uh, night sky filter. Cool. Thanks for saying night photography because yeah. I want to ask Absolutely. a question that comes from Ryan Luna that's Milky Way photography related. Okay. And it's a perfect transition. As a last question, we'll go into the selling segment of how you process and, or how you deal with selling and galleries and stuff like that. Ryan asks, do you find that metal prints muddy astro skies compared to Lumichrome? My experience has not been so great with metal printing for night skies compared to metallic paper and Lumichrome. I even printed the same image for comparison, and I don't know what happened and how it went, but he says it was muddier that compared to the Lumichrome. So have you experienced metallic paper or Lumichrome? So I just purchased... Uh, well, for a customer, he chose an image that, that's printed on Lumachrome. It's sitting at my house ready for delivery. I've wanted to open it up, but until I take it to his house, I haven't seen it yet. So this is my first photograph mm-hmm. that I've printed on the Lumachrome to see kind of how it came out. I will say nighttime photography in general, um, because it's dark and because there's not a lot of detail, and sometimes when we're shooting f2.8, you know, the, a lot of the detail translates on a screen but not on a print, I will say that, you know, what he might be calling muddy is is just, you know, some softness, some some, you know, discoloration. It's really hard to get a nice edit on a on a nighttime photo. Um in in with that being said, you know, it, it, I don't sell a ton of astrophotography to clients and customers. Oh, this interview is over. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Our dreams are shattered. Shattered. There's nothing for me to learn here anymore. And you know, it, it's I shoot it for the for the workshops and because it's what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. But most people, you know, prefer the daytime imagery and, and hmm. the brightness and you know, because in the house they just it goes with decor and, and they want bright and beautiful images. And so I would say I only sell sense. maybe ten percent. But here's another thing. I don't show a lot of night sky stuff. Um, in my booths or at the art shows. And it's just because I'm so focused on selling the other. So there are a lot of astrophotographers that sell a lot of prints. And it's not saying that, you know, it's not possible. But for me personally, just because I only have so much space to fill at the shows, I don't have a huge emphasis in the nighttime photography when it comes to prints. That's more on the the workshop. So Jeff was saying he noticed an uptick in his nighttime sales. Yeah. By almost two, threefold. It sounds so, like there's an opening for more. us to be the the true masters of selling <laughs> astrophotography. <laughs> Maybe if Eric That's all we see at our is. booth is going to be <laughs> night stuff. So. Well, let's guys, let's go ahead and take our first break of the podcast and then end the printing segment. And we'll come back with Ryan Smith and talk selling at our landscape photography, not astrophotography. I wanted to say astro, <laughs> but I can't. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, everyone. We're hanging out with the master printer and seller, Ryan Smith. He's like a car oh. salesman for photography. Oh, wait a second. Let's, <laughs> let's back up. Oh, it not has like a, ne- a car salesman. A negative connotation. Sorry about that. I shouldn't have used a pejorative term. That's okay. That's so <laughs> here is the beginning of this segment talking about selling. And I want to start with Akash 
Mukherjee, Mukherjee, Mukherjee. I can't <laughs> oh, say your sorry, last name, your name. <laughs> But um, his question is, how did you start selling prints? Initially on your, of your own and then came in touch with gallery guys after getting famous. How did it all begin? So mm. it's really funny. A gal that I went to school with, Natalie Bowman, reached out and said, oh my gosh, you should sell your photos. I want to buy a photo. And I'm like, no, you don't. Like, it's mm. not, you know, be nice. And she was like, no, really, I do. And so she's like, you ought to get a website and, you know, go into galleries. And, I, you know, it's funny. On Facebook, you just have a lot of people build you up. Mm -hmm, and so you mm -hmm. start thinking, well, maybe it's a possibility. And Tom Mangelson, who is is somebody who I've shot with, has always been kind of a, a hero for me because I'd go to his amazing gallery in Jackson Hole and see these amazing pictures. And so... I really wanted something for my own wall. So I started going to like those cheap canvas places and mm -hmm. started printing canvases mm -hmm. for my house. And my wife was like, like, how many pictures are we going to have to hang up? And I'm like, oh, we're <laughs> hundreds. We're on the rotation <laughs> program here. Like, and, you know, some people had come over and really like them. And I started gifting and everything like that. But it was really this image behind me that, that got us going as mm. far as the gallery. Somebody said, you really ought to take your work to galleries. And I didn't know what I was doing. But when I was in town, I went to a gallery in the Grand and uh, the Grand Teton Gallery in Jackson okay. Hole. Made friends, started talking to them. And I looked around. There was no photography on the walls. And I said, hey, like, talk to me. Is, is photography not something that, that's marketable? And they're like, oh, no, we're high end, you know multiple thousands dollars a piece type of artwork paintings place. and stuff paintings okay. you know they had things in there for like 60 80 grand a couple Oof. things for like hundreds of grand and i'm like oh my wow gosh. and she's like well why do you ask and i said oh i'm thinking about marketing my photography a little bit and and she's like well let me have a look and so i showed both robert and mary beth the uh, the photos and they said oh well, th this is a photo and mm. all of the sudden, something sparked in me and with them. And two years later, they brought me into the gallery because they had changed their mind because they were looking for new avenues, new fresh content. They said photography, nice. no way, no how. But it was because the photography that I showcased, this image in particular, had people guessing whether it was a painting or a photo. Interesting. Really? So this is how I developed so my obvious style. to me. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, in, in it, because it's super saturated HDR, you know, kind of like, yeah. I, I still have a lot of people. Are these paintings? Or are they photos? Huh. <laughs> so my style, I decided to run with that. And I still kind of infuse, even though naturally I want to uh, learn or lean more natural in my photography. Mm -hmm people are looking for a certain look when they're purchasing. And so the really vibrant, saturated colors that drive me nuts and the artistic look <laughs> yeah. of HDR and just super amped up and heavy edits still do better for me from a sales standpoint than it does yeah. for the photography. And so that's so interesting. It's always a struggle and um, you know, you could definitely overdo it, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but uh, that's how it all began. And once that was hanging in the gallery and I started selling more than I thought I would at that gallery, uh, things started taking off. So then mm. when I was at other ski towns, like in Colorado uh, I walked in. I was able to say, hi, you know, Ryan Smith. I'm a gallery represented artist. Uh, I have my work in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. 
you know, talk to me. Do you have availability? Or are you looking at procur- procurement with uh, other artists? And, you know, so just having the conversation. I will tell you mm-hmm. this. Nobody will ever discover you. You have to put yourself in front of them right, in order right. to be considered. And so there's a lot of people who have said, geez, like, how could I get discovered? Will not happen. <laughs> you won't. won't happen. Won't happen. We there can vouch for that as Photog Adventures. <laughs> Three years of doing this and, and no one's approached us. No one's approached <laughs> us. If we haven't talked sort to of, them. Sort of, but not really. Yeah. Nothing. No. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. It's not something that happens organically. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny. There is no Simon Cowell in America's, you know, uh, Got Talent for fo- photos. You know, where <laughs> not you're yet. Gonna, well, but even then, you still have to go yeah, to audition. Right. You still have to go <laughs> right. to the audition, right? I want to be on that team <laughs> yeah. of judges. So is you Simon bring making this photo phone calls? To us. Hey, do you got talent? <laughs> no. And so my advice for those who want to sell photography is ask for the business, follow up, follow up, follow up, and tell people you sell. It's really funny mm. because. I have some people still ask me, and I'm not offended, but I'm just laughing because I think that I self-promote like at nauseum. I probably like make people sick uh, <laughs> of how much I self-promote, but I still get lots of people. Hey, do you sell your prints? Mm. And I'm like, geez, have I done a poor job of marketing myself? Because right, <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's amazing. <clears throat> Tell people that you sell prints. And because you, have, we had a great uh, discussion about this. I've noticed some people's websites is they'll post galleries. Great. Doesn't say anything about selling. Mm. Do you have a website that's comfortable and do you let people know on social media that your work is available Viable. for purchase? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And don't apologize. Oh, yeah, like I'm just trying to you know pay for gear or... Um, if you want to market art, be, be confident from the get go. And, you know, I've learned that, that, that it's not about self promoting yourself beyond your, you know, there's a fine line of arrogance and confidence. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's always, you don't want to come across as arrogant, but you do want to showcase your work in a confident manner. Mm -hmm. Just don't apologize for your work. And don't make excuses and, and don't race to the bottom when it comes to pricing. I had a gal reach right, out the other right. day. Oh, I'm thinking, you know, I was approached by somebody. They want to buy this per, uh, picture. I'm nowhere like you. What do you think I should price this as? And mm. I said, what makes you any different than me? Like, you know, and in, in, in it's a close friend of mine. Her work is amazing in, you know, she shouldn't say, I'm not like you. Well, nobody's like each other. You right. Know? But be confident. It's the piece that's really representing you. It it's, has nothing to do with who knows you. Who if it's a solid piece, you. it should sell itself, right? I mean, it's exactly. one of those things. Yeah. 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 There's no, no, so no. Don't big... downgrade your awesomeness, guys. Yep. Stay awesome and know you're awesome and be confident. <laughs> so clear. Advice never clearer said. Well, and don't I downgrade her. your awesomeness. I don't know what to do now. And she said, how do you determine your cost? How do you determine your price? You know, this is how much this piece costs in metal where I live. I'm mm. thinking about timesing at this. And, and I said, well, how much is your camera gear worth? How much was the trip? How much did you spend on vacation to get that shot? How? So stop thinking about the cost of printing is your only consideration right. as to how you how you price your artwork? Right. Um, you know there, how much did it cost to get that shot, yeah. and then your time to edit and yeah. your time to yeah, yeah. 
that was the mm. first question of a few that I had in a row here to ask about how do you call, how do you price your images? And so that's great. Second mm. question comes from Rick, and he says, what seems to sell more, the icons or original compositions? Icons. Mm. Yeah. Is that because it's your name or are you saying that <laughs> from a real perspective of, because I know what you're saying, people go to a location, they love something about that arch of, you know, everyone's seen the most famous delicate arch, right? Yep. but even though it's overly done by us in the photography world, that's they what they want to buy. buy. They don't want to buy the really cool unknown arch that you found that's awesome. Right. Mm. And it, there's, there's specific reasons why people buy. And, and one of them is being able to relate and connect to that specific spot. And people that have purchased, I will say it's 90%, 80% to 90% want somewhere or something relative to something that they've connected to a memory or, you know, I, I've sold a lot mm -hmm. of Canadian shots and Kauai shots and it's because it was the honeymoon destination. Ah. <laughs> it was the family yeah. trip. I went to go take that picture and it looks nothing like this, but I like that as a memory as if mm. I was there seeing it. And occasionally you get the 10 to 20% of people who actually want the opposite. They I want don't, the original piece, yeah. Well, not yeah. the original piece, but they want somewhere that they've never been that is mysterious. I shot, I shot oh, this really okay. cool tree forest uh, at the edge of Nepali coast that you can't tell really where it's at. You can't identify that it's Kauai. But they wanted it because they've never seen anything like it. And then they wanted something unique that they will not see from anybody else. Mm. Oh, yeah, then they yeah. want that. Yeah. Uh -huh. But that's only 10 to 20%. And what's really, mm. what's really funny is um, the dreamy, the dark, the really low light, the mega sunrise, the, the sunset that's just, you know, guns a-blazing in the, in the heavens with pinks and purples. <laughs> yeah aren't the shots that sell because people typically don't wake up like we do at 4 a.m. to go get that view. <laughs> yeah. And so a lot of the times, daytime shots, I mean, there's no clouds really in this sky. Mm -hmm. It's blue. It's kind of a daytime look. And people can relate to that easier than, you know, pink glow and mm. alpine glow. So what, what's interesting is what impresses us as photographers is typically not the best sellers. Right. And what the best sellers are, are typically lackluster online. And nobody <laughs> really thinks they're great shots amongst our photography friends, but people yeah. that, that want something on their wall love it. I and think that artists do the same. Painters have the same problem, I think, too. I've heard of the same, same really? exact thing from painters. Was, uh, yeah, it's just... Johnny yeah. Boyd made the good point that icons have a mental relation with the buyer. Mm -hmm. And if yeah. they have that sort of, that's a keepsake from a place I've seen. Right. They're having more, they have a more general connection with, I'm going to spend money on this now because yeah. I'm connected with it. Mm -hmm. I like it. Mm -hmm. So here's another question come from Ryan Luna. First, he states something and then asks what you think. Mm -hmm. So my guess for prints, he says, is a more monochrome feel for homes. So not to clash with decor compared to colorful prints for business offices and restaurants. So have you noticed that in your experience, monochrome feel for homes while businesses, offices and restaurants want a more colorful print? Yeah, you know, as far as I don't shoot a lot of monochrome type looking images, I probably should do more. But one good example is my aspen trees um, is probably on my, my, my timeline somewhere in the last couple of days. But it is no color. It's not black and white, but there's no color because it was like late fall. Mm -hmm. And so you couldn't see any of the foliage. Um, it was after everything had fallen off. Okay. And so it's just just straight trees, aspens. And it seems to sell really well. And I think because, you know, people like aspen trees, 
but there's not a lot of color. So it really lends to what he's he's alluding to, um, not necessarily monochrome, but less colorful, less distracting, and and uh, you know whatnot. But I do sell a lot of very high colorful pictures, at least at the art shows and the art festivals, and people love the vibrancy and the colors. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do sell to corporate, you know, and a lot of the times he's right, the corporations, because everything's just, you know, kind of dull. Usually dull, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they do want colorful things on the walls. Mm-hmm. But um, I would say if I had a higher, um, deeper portfolio of that, it would be definitely interesting to see, um, you know, if that lends to, to his, uh, hmm. his theory. Cool. So then this comes from Rick, no, Robert, Robert McKendrick. <clears throat> Sorry. He says, do you have prints that don't sell? If so, what do you do with them? So at the shows, I really don't sell off the wall. Some people do. They'll, they'll buy a, a lot of prints and hope to sell all of their prints at the uh-huh. show. And, and what I like to do is some of my more popular prints – I'm going to take an order and if I took it down and sent them home with it, then it's not there for somebody else to like it and potentially buy it. Mm, So I've got a huge storage um, area of prints that have never sold, but I like to have those prints to show people and showcase maybe at the next show. Um, Sometimes I'll do kind of a ding or scratched uh, inventory clearance and, Mm. and sell it for less. Uh, but a lot of what I have is just, you know, sitting to, to be waiting to, to, to showcase again. Or mm. I get hit up all the time for um, charity and, and, you know, auctions. Sometimes I'll give those mm. prints mm-hmm. uh, to those types. But a lot of the times I want to showcase my and give away my best prints. And so, um, yeah, so I kind of hold on mm. to them. Yeah, um, that's smart. Um, before we go into some more of these questions, I want to go back to specifically teaching us selling okay first thing first in five minutes or less can you take us through the entire life of you've already been accepted at gallery here's the weekend coming up to sell at what's that like and is it for everybody because i think my theory is it's not (laughs) it's not for everybody it is a ton of work um first of all first of all it's a huge investment too mm. like the art show circuit you mentioned on Nick's podcast something in the range of 12,000 how much was it yeah you know is anywhere but it, overall it's probably 10 to 20,000 but it's evolved i didn't purchase it all up front and you know now i have the trailer and you know more pro panels so i started out with a 10 by 10 uh booth i got the best that i could and what i said in that podcast holds true I didn't want any excuses. And what I mean by that is I didn't want to leave a show and invest my time and say, I wish had I had another or a better booth, Mm. I could have done better. I wanted to give it my all to really see like what the return on the investment would be. So I just got the best booth, the best walls, the best tent, printed a ton of, um, you know, metals, a couple of lumichromes and put it up and and, and it worked. It went well. And, you know, but, you know, setup time was like 12 to 15 hours. Oh, my oh, gosh. Takedown was said four that, to but six. It still surprises oh. me. It, it's yeah, four brutal. to six takedown even. So when you're done, oh, yeah. exhausted, standing on your feet all day, four more, five oh, more it's hours. it's brutal. The, the show <laughs> ends on a Sunday night, you know, and, and some of the art festivals, it ends at like 10 or 12. 
And so Boy. it's midnight and you're like, oh, what am I going to do? So hired help is definitely a great investment. There's a lot of guys that will just do this by themselves, but I've got the best helpers. I've also got a great sales team. So at some of the shows, it's not me just selling and, and talking to people, but I've got a couple of tremendous, tremendous ladies that, that have helped me. And awesome. we talk about what works, what doesn't, what we should say some of the typical um, responses is what people are worried about and how to counter that and how to sell through mm. it and how to, you know, move, move that sale along the, uh, the process. And so uh, for me, I, I think that's been a key to, to, to winning it. This as well as not just taking it all on my own. Can you expand yeah. on that now? Because yeah. I think here's a key thing, guys, that you are considering, say, you're thinking, I want to do this. I think I could sell my pictures. I have friends that have done it. I have friends mm -hmm. that have failed at doing it. I have friends that have succeeded at doing it. And there was something mentioned on an earlier podcast with us with Jeff Peterson where he talked about a personality of selling and what his technique was. Not to give you ideas and plant them in your head so you give us the same answer back. <laughs> what would you say are the traits of a quality sales approach as a person standing in their gallery and working with potential buyers? It's a mindset. What kind of mindset? It, it's a confident mindset. It's not arrogance, but it's really giving somebody what what they want and, and the love of sharing it. If you're really doing this to make money, then don't do it. <laughs> if you're doing it because you really enjoy sharing something with them and talking about memories and talking about that honeymoon and why Kauai was a special place for them, you know that's really where sales happens is connecting with the people. As soon as you're like, oh, like this is brutal. I haven't made any sales, and like, hey, let me just give you know fifty percent discount. Like, game over. Mm. Like that's that's when things go south. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but if you love talking and connecting with people, and and the thing is, when when you're jumping into sales, you have got to take off your photography hat and throw it away. Really, in what I mean, way? Not just during the time that you're selling, and it's because it's not about the photos. And it's not about, oh, I shot this at, you know, F, F16. Mm. And, yeah, you know, you're going to lose them right there, right? Oh, I shoot yeah. with a Canon. And <laughs> well, that sounds like, great. See you. Stuff we love talking about. Mm -hmm. Oh, shot wide aperture. And that, that doesn't matter. <laughs> it's all about, you know, the, the artwork. But I've had a lot of people say, hey, listen, you're just a great guy. And we want a piece of, of you know, your vision in our home. Not because it's just pretty, mm. but we really connect with you and, and you're like family. And so hmm. uh, a lot of the times it, it's it, it's amazing to me why people buy. But there's a lot of people that really it comes down to that relationship with, with the photographer. So while I have hmm. a great sales team, I will never step away from the booth longer than like 10 minutes to go snag some to eat. That's a long day. Because I know, yeah, you know, it's usually like 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. three or four days in a row, and <laughs> it's brutal. But, you know, connecting Ouch. with people and, you know, going back, it's if you're in this to, to make the money and, it, and you're fully dependent upon that and you became angry or bitter at a bad show or something like mm. that's not good that's not a good sign so right well before mm. i go into some more listener questions let's ask you the beyond you mentioned it to me when we were talking about the icon or the image that sold the work this workshop this kind of hangout and i i wrote it a certain way on the picture and you said you should add and beyond so 
expand on that. What else are you selling and teaching us about selling and beyond? What's the beyond part? Oh, that's a good point. Um, and remind me what that. We were talking about the image, and the image it said, "Learn how best practices for landscape photography photos, um, best way to print and selling." And then you said, "And selling and beyond." So specific oh, to selling. Do you recall what you were? In, I don't were know. You thinking about then? No, no, and I don't know if it was just like. You know, sounded really cool. Yeah, it sounded really <laughs> cool. Just really loves Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking about, but, you know, it, it's, you know, people often ask me, like, oh, are you going to go full-time in this? And one question was whether I'm full-time photographer. I'm not currently full-time. I'm doing medical sales, and that was, like, my first passion was medicine. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with taking this full-time. Um I don't want to be positioned in a in a place yet or currently uh, where I have to make it work to support the family. You know, I've got mm. uh, you know a family at home that are dependent upon me, and um, you know the cost of insurance alone for self employment insurance is is pretty brutal and, and hefty on a lot of guys. But I don't want to lose my passion and vision and force it to be my primary income because I. I've seen a lot of friends and, and family who just get stressed out. But for me, because it's an added passion that I don't have to depend on, it seems like it, 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 I'm able to enjoy it. Like if mm. I have to turn it off for three or four months, I can. Um, <laughs> That'd be nice. And so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could use a three or four month break, to be honest. Well, myself. and it's not necessarily a break. It's, you know, back to my full, not back to, but a continuation of my full time job that, mm. that's pretty demanding. And, um, well, then let me ask you this. So when you think about you got into selling, you've been doing it now for a while. What's the one thing you didn't expect out of selling your photos and oh, your prints? Um, I didn't expect to be doing as well as I am. <laughs> like that was like just truly humbling. Like just people are so supportive. Um, in, in learning how competitive photography overall is, mm. like – Photography for me was going to be my outlet, my therapy, my, you know, my peace, my, my joy. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I jumped into this world that's just, I don't know if you guys <laughs> run into it, but um, you've got your best friends that are just all supportive. And then you mm -hmm. have just kind of some of these people that really want to, I don't know why they want to do it, but, um, you know, pull you down and, and, and talk smack. I don't let it get to me, but it's just sad mm -hmm. to see that. You know, we should just all be enjoying one another right, and together right, and having right. fun. And it's like, you know, there, there's some real sticks in the mud out there that just want to pull everybody <laughs> down and be yeah. the most important photographer. And it's really not a competition. Like, right. you know, take your take your images and put them in a contest if you want to be the guy. But that's mm -hmm. been the surprise is just, you know, kind of some of the, the negative stuff that, that surrounds photography that, that's kind of sad. But I will say the inverse. I've never been closer to a like-minded group of passionate people like I have in the Amen. photography community. True. And yeah. that has been such a surprise that in my passion and pursuits that I now seriously, I call them my icon family, like I have gotten close with so many people on a personal level through photography mm -hmm. that, you know, with sports and athletics and growing up, like it was always a family, but not like photography. Mm. Like you can instantly <laughs> connect with a photographer that's cool, 
like and and have loads to talk about and shared experiences yeah. and you know that people are family so yeah i love they've done that yeah all the people on it's the photog adventures group and people who are always in our live streams yeah they're family to us yeah and these guys are people who i would take my money to fly out there to hang out with them and for free, you know, I wouldn't be like, oh, you pay me, I'll hang out with you. It's a, mm. I would spend my own money and vacation time to hang out with them. Yeah. They're that close to my heart. I, I love these people. So going back to those people we love, Joe Reese. Personally, I don't know Joe Reese a lot, but hey, Joe, we love you. <laughs> and he says, how do you choose what photos to display at the show? And how do you get the photos mm. not shown seen? Oh, man. <laughs> I've got quite a process. And, you know, it, I start with my booth layout. And I want to separate colors so that it's not like the blue wall and the orange wall and the yellow wall, but I want a variety. And hmm. I sell more landscape horizontal than I do vertical. So the, you know, the important thing for me is to know that ratio that I need a couple of verticals, a few, but I hmm. need more landscape. And I also need more three to one ratios. Um, you don't want to overcrowd a space too much. You don't want it to look like an Instagram wall. Mm. Um, but you want to show enough variety that there's got to be an image that speaks to somebody. Hmm. So okay. I try to vary things. I try to be a little bit you know, heavy on the Utah. But I also shoot old automotives. And it seems like mm. the guys love that stuff. Whereas they might walk away and have their wives want to come in the booth. So I put on a couple of the walls some of my automotive mm. uh, to draw them in. And, you know, I, I do like to kind of have um, symmetry in my booth. If you in look what at way it, do you mean symmetry? Well, symmetry, if you look at, at my one wall of my booth and cut it in half um, and cut it, you know, in half this way, you're going to see a, a similar pattern on on the left side and the right side. Size okay. of frame, stuff like that? Well, it's kind of funny if you think about the rules of composition in photography. Mm -hmm. You've almost got to place your artwork in your booth. Similar way. In a yeah, similar interesting. way. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah. And it's not about just the one image or the one big image, but you've got to have some congruence. And if you walk into a Verizon store and look at, you know, every, you know Verizon... Um, what do you call it? Just all the you know gadgets and stuff. The accessories and stuff. Accessories. Yeah. yeah. Very simple. Very congruent. Typically, things are lined up in threes. And you know, if you allow symmetry to be your friend and composition in your display itself, mm. that always helps. And so, when you think about the setup, is it all one wall, corner, and another wall? Did you do you need more than one wall? to succeed probably not right no not at all you know and you don't even need more than you know a couple of pieces the the big mistake that i see a lot of people doing is thinking the more options i have for people the better mm -hmm. oh. but the more options you give somebody the more they want to think about it in right. what way do you mean options because you said you need variety to target different yeah areas in the it's demographic yeah, but then are yeah. you talking portfolio pieces or people actually putting two sides of prints at the same print yeah so i used to have a wall full of like 16 by 24s and i could fill that wall full of them but what i found is you know if you want to sell 16 by 24s and you show them you'll sell them but if you don't want to sell small sizes and you want to bump them up to 32 by 48s you will sell what you show. 
And so if you eliminate the small stuff and start showing larger, you'll sell larger pieces, but then it becomes too crowded. And so sometimes the best walls are a single piece. Hmm. I still feel that for me, you know, I've, I, I try to get a good variety. So it's always, um, you just don't want a cluttered look. Okay. And if you feel there's clean. Too, yeah. If there's too much subject matter. So I'm still learning. I'm still testing. I, I put out, you know, and, and Photoshop my pictures into my booth layout and I take it to a, a close group of friends who are not photography friends. Um, now I'm sharing all the secrets here, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will put out my <laughs> booth option uh, ahead of time and say, what do you guys think? Do you guys like oh. the variety? Which images pop out? Uh, having this image next to that, does it detract? Does it work with? Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, you know, and I'm not such a tech like OCD type person, but when it comes to this, I know it's important. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the same topic, I'll ask before I go into some more of these questions. Um, when you're working, oh, I lost it. I lost it. I actually lost really? my question. It was right there, and then I lost it. It's specific about laying out your pictures. Oh yes, yeah, to frames. Do you avoid frames or make sure you frame your pictures? Is there a reason to do one or the other? So I had a couple of frame pieces in the booth, but. If you give too many people options, oh, well, I don't know what color of frame I want. Yeah. Then okay. it's like, ooh, yeah. like I'm just adding choices. And, you know, the more of a complex sale it becomes. So mm. what I've done now is just with my metals say, hey, listen, if you like the look of frames, you know, find your favorite framer. I'll send this piece to you. Take all the time you want with your framer and pick out a frame. Uh, I do have a couple of options, but if you have a single option of a frame or two, it, it can help. I will say this. The nice thing with acrylic and the and the metals is most people want them unframed anyway. Oh, okay. Um, yep. So yep. I've only got two or three framed pieces in my entire booth now, and it's the Lumachromes that, that I have framed because they're the you know beautiful Roma moldings from Italy, and, and mm. people love those, and that's you know what they see at the Peter Lick Gallery, so they have to have that. <laughs> so on the big lumachromes i'll have a couple of options for frames but again there's three colors so if you want a frame here's the three colors i'm choosing you could either have a black liner or a white liner so then it doesn't become overwhelming for somebody to to think about yeah hmm you nice. don't want the carpet man salesman who's got like this whole book oh my gosh, of frames yeah. to go through well and you know this one actually was hanging in in the grand uh, uh gallery up in jackson and shipping frames Ooh. Like mm. brutal, like especially across the country. So really, I just don't the, want frames in general just because I don't want to ship a heavy frame. It's better if they get the piece, take it to their mm. local frame shop. And, and since you say shipping, let me ask you: Do you ship it rolled flat? Uh, well, it's the metals. It's metal. you know, oh, so the metals. Heavy flat. flat. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to yeah. roll that up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just roll it up. Good luck unrolling that. That'll look okay if you <laughs> just heat right. it up with a blowtorch, and you should be in good shape. <laughs> so, Chris Byrne asks: Aside from galleries, do you work with interior designers to seek business? Yes and no. Um, okay. Mm. Only the ones he likes. <laughs> well. The, the thing with interior designers, it's tricky because their job is to, you know, design something beautiful and make money. And so a lot mm. of the times when they get my pricing, um, you know, a lot of interior designers will just go to stock photography or stock art and purchase right. things at a very, very minuscule minimum amount and then upcharge. They want to boost their margins, right? Exactly. Yeah. And mm. so, and I've noticed that interior designers... 
Um, while some love the look of photography, a lot of them are very super artsy and they just want paintings or art, art, not mm. photography art. Mm, okay. I will say that it's changing dramatically. Uh, but for those two reasons, I don't spend a lot of time going, um, you know, that route. Uh, but I will say I'm doing more and more, uh, but it's not something where I'm really seeking out those opportunities, um, but allowing them. And the mm. part of the hard thing is I had a couple of um, instances where designers, you know, were involved in the decision, but then they just kind of, you know, they're not supportive because they don't have enough skin in the game you know, on their okay. end for, for the acquisition. So sometimes you have designers where family will say, I'm going to send this to my designer and see if that really fits and if they could work around your piece. And I'm like, no, just don't do that. Like, if you like the piece, you get buys. it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then, then and then tell them this is what I have. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot more sense. And it's hard because they have a relationship with their designer mm. and you don't want to say like, you don't want to complain about it, but they don't understand that, you know, that designer, if they don't have skin in the game, they're probably not so caring about what goes on the right. walls. When they're thinking, well, for five bucks, I can buy a very similar image and then charge you 5000 and yeah. make way more money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's a good point. So yeah. going a little back to the selling, Steve Loosely asks, what are some of the concerns you've noticed buyers have? So um, not a lot of concerns about the product they like what they like but a lot of the times they're like oh we just don't know what size we need like need to go home and measure and it's like you know i've got some you know verbiage how to handle that objection a lot of the times it's you know oh like i just don't know if it's going to go with this color or hey like i don't know if you know my my couch is is going to detract from that photograph or you know what, you've got a website, let me go online and really take the time to look through your website instead of buy at the show. <laughs> mm -hmm. So each objection has its own response and um, I spend a lot of the time with, with my, uh, my, my ladies who help me sell and we kind of you know uh, work together on how to craft the verbiage and we, we've got it down pretty good. Nice. There's definitely technique yeah. to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Johnny Boyd comments, I can tell you've taken your medical salesmanship <laughs> into the fine art of selling machine. <laughs> exactly. And Stanley Harper, our buddy, asks, when you post an image on social media, do you believe that telling the story behind the image, or if it is, okay, do you believe in, maybe believe in telling the story behind the image, like if or important. if it is an iconic location, telling the story of it helps sell prints of the image. Mm. I, I can't get the exact verbiage that Stanley's asking, but do you get the gist of the question yeah. about whether you, you tell the story? The story. Yeah, or, yeah. Um, if it's a unique image and it's not an icon, or if it's a really meaningful image to me, uh, I like sharing the story, whether it helps sell a print or not, who knows? but I enjoy it because my photography friends enjoy those stories. Mm. Uh, what I don't do, um, at least I try not to, you want a compelling story on some of these, but it's not the, you know, the Peter Lick stories that <laughs> this was like somewhere like deep in the Himalayas. Yeah. Himalaya yeah just yeah. that nobody's Peter ever been there. <laughs> and you know, nobody ever shoots before this he took the picture, and, he pushed someone away and kicked over a bush and then he well, took a shot. And it, it shoots people in the foot. I remember not too long ago, somebody having this, you know, slot Canyon up that that's been popular amongst climbers for a long time. And, you know, this photographer wanted to kind of claim that, 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 oh, it was, you know, this place has never been photographed. Well, not by him it wasn't, but it's been <laughs> photographed. So, 
Well, you that's know, shady. It, it that's kind the of, car salesman right there. It yeah. is. It is. And you have to laugh because you appreciate that they're trying to convey, you know, the value in it, but it really bit that Invent person value, in, the, yeah. in the rear because it was just, you know. Obvious that it wasn't. Yeah. I think there's another there's another part to Stanley's question that I think I blew trying to say it is that if it is an iconic location, do you just not waste time with the story because oh. they already have a connection with it? Yeah, you know, and, and I don't do a ton of print sales off of social media anyway. So a lot of the times if something happened, I actually like five years ago, it's kind of funny, um, really just enjoyed quotes. I've always enjoyed quotes growing up. And so mm -hmm. a lot of the times I'll just put a quote that relates to the scene. Mm. And do it you seems find like real a, quotes or make them up? Well, I've, I've done a couple of made up that they're not <laughs> as good because everything great's already been said. And so um, I, I love like looking up quotes about sunrise or sunset oh, and see okay. what, yeah. you know, and, and choose one. So to me, it's more meaningful because it, that's maybe what was in my mind at that time mm. of shooting the photograph rather than talking about that particular location. Mm. But I don't think it sells any more prints. I think if someone sees a print, um, aside from the story, you know, for the most part, there are some of those images that need the story. But for the most yeah. part, it's connection they, they make when they see it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, David Bear, going into the money side of it, what yeah. do you think your average sale is? Three hundred dollars, two thousand, or ten. Ooh, ten thousand. He didn't give those numbers. I made those up. So I, I've really worked to, um, you know, showcase larger pieces and also sell, um, you know, more lumichromes, which is twice the cost of not cost, but twice as much as the metal uh, mm. for the most part. Maybe you know, one point five. Um, I will say at my last show, I increased my average sale to be a right around 1900 to 2000. Um, that's not necessarily a single piece sale, but that's, mm -hmm. you know, cost per customer that they spend at the booth. Nice. Um, so I would say I'm selling more 40 by 60s and, and uh, you know, the large panos, which, which put it anywhere in the $1,500 to, to $3,000 range. But then you still have a lot of you know twenty four by thirty sixes and thirty two by forty eights that uh, that are added to that average. But you know my goal is to 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 sell bigger pieces because and it's not about me and it's not about the income. But I will say this: anytime I've made deliveries, people always say, "Oh, I should have gone larger <laughs> because the booth is small that I showcase in." So I try to right, show the sizes right. over like standard size couches so people can really understand up front like, yeah, I probably should go a, a few hundred dollars more and get the bigger piece. Mm -hmm. so. How do you show that? So I just do mock-ups. So I, I'll take a picture of an eight-foot couch and then you know throw an 84-inch print above that okay. couch to kind of match and show scale. Uh, so instead of just showing the piece and it, in the booth, you know, I've got a couple of 84 inch prints, you know, frames. So it gets out to 96 inches. So then I just kind of convey, hey, listen, this is about the width of a standard couch. So if you're putting it over a couch, you know, it's going to kind of line up nicely. You don't and want to then, do like this dinky little thing. Yeah. Couch. <laughs> and then I want to say a king size bed um, is about the same width. And so when people are hanging artwork over the couch, it's important to know your, your measurements of mm. items and say, yeah, standard couch is, you know, this size and a standard, you know, king, king mattress is about this wide, so it'll match up perfectly. Standard fireplace would allow for a 32 by 48 or a, four, mm. a 24 by 36. So 
as long as you can help people understand sizing, not like go home and tell me what size you need. Call yeah, me back, yeah, because they know. won't. Yeah. That's a great tip we never would have thought of too, right there. If you yeah. guys didn't catch it, make sure you know the average size of a bed, the size and width and length of a couch and how you could work in certain furniture and certain homes. Like imagine in your, for yourself where you would put the print and mm-hmm. then get some good standard sizes and then show them the examples that you have. Because yeah, yeah. if you don't have that, they might think, I need to come back and decide later and you could lose them. Yeah. Hmm. See how this all has nothing to do with photography? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeanette yeah. Marie Payne coming from Australia. Nice. Yes, we'll be stopping at her house on our way through Australia, of course. She says, what kind of gear, monitors, software, printers do you use to get screen to print to be the same with no color change? change in the quality yeah mm. so you know my I, I love the thunderbolt displays hooked to my mac uh laptop uh, i take my mac everywhere sometimes i edit on the road but i love you know the larger monitors and so right the majority of print labs that i use also have mac and so the color is consistent there and then again srgb is kind of what internet protocols go off of so keeping it there has allowed me to um, get consistency, whether it's on my iPhone, my laptop, my monitor at home, or with the print labs. Um, you know, and I know there's better color profiles that could give me more, um, but you know, the likelihood of them getting color color issues is is greatly it's higher. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I've had an issue before too with my friend that wanted me to do some photography for his business that does websites and stuff, and I've got. Um, He's color calibrated his monitor, and I try to color calibrate mine as well. Mm-hmm. And then he's telling me that my images are too yellow, and I'm like, I don't know what to tell you because they look perfect on my monitor. And you've calibrated yours, and I've used the same software and the same hardware to calibrate it. Yeah, there's still like this yeah. difference, you know. And, and it's it's weird. You want to know a little deep uh, secret? Yes, of course we do. Admit. Do not do anything else right now, guys. Deep secret coming up. <laughs> deep secret. Deep Don't secret be ashamed time. out there, okay? <laughs> I have never done any color calibration ever, like on anything. Oh. And it's because it's because these stories <laughs> is, nice. is the reason I won't do it. It right. doesn't matter in the end. Huh? Well, Apple, well, that's, that, the Apple printer. system is technically better for colors. And they, and they actually do a better job calibrating their hardware than yeah. most places. And, and a lot of photographers, especially in the early days, went with Apple specifically because they cared more about their color yeah. than, than, say, Microsoft or any other platform. So, well, so and, you know, Apple's deep in color, yeah. And, it, you know, it's, uh, I know that there's some great softwares out there, but I feel like there's some people that even if they get the results that they like because there's something out there to do, they'll just go do it. Mm. I feel like I'm where I, I need to be you know, with, with that standpoint. So I just, I'm happy where I'm at. I'm not gonna if it works, it works, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. if your lab comes back with a print you want it to look that way, and you're set. And yeah. It could be the yeah. magic of the amazing Canon colors, you know. That, <laughs> if you work with Canon and <laughs> Apple, yeah, it's a pretty, oh, good pretty good marriage. Pretty good marriage. No more gear time. No more gear time. Back to selling. Paul He's Smith like, asked. Oh, like, don't like, go there. Mm. <laughs> They're going into the camera wars. He's like, oh, da, 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 da. So Paul Smith asks, what was the biggest challenge of learning and selling prints? Or, or what was the biggest challenge? or the biggest thing you learned in selling prints, you know, running your mm. business? Mm, yeah, I don't know if it comes down to one thing. You know, it's always um, trial and error. Um, I was like, if I went back four years 
to tell my old self like, hey man, you're, you're gonna be selling multiple pieces at thousands of dollars, I would have been surprised. Mm-hmm. And I would have jumped in from the get-go selling big, showing big. Bigger stuff, yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that, uh, like my old self, I just didn't know where this was even gonna go. I didn't have a specific goal. I just kind of like kept testing and trying mm. some things. And oh, you know, I've got, actually got some big stretch goals right now that, that I'm, you know, putting in place potentially that could be huge payoffs or miserable failures. Like we'll see, <laughs> like we'll see how it goes. But it's kind of nice to, to, to challenge yourself. Um, yeah. Nice. Hmm. Royce came back after a break. I guess he needed a quick you know, food break. Too, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he said, you know, it's great to hear that photo print sales for you are more about the relationships than anything else. Very connective with people. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks, Royce. So, guys, we before we go away with a ton of questions all in a row, and I haven't caught up with the chat because I'm going through all these questions, we are going long right now. So yeah, I we say are, we yeah. keep going long as long as Ryan has the time <laughs> yeah. to go through a few more Q&A, right? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Do you have any questions for him, Brendan, while I pull up the next question? Um, you know, I was just thinking, like, if someone hadn't had any experience selling stuff before, I was wondering, like, would you recommend someone getting a selling job, you know, or doing something in sales before they try to go out and sell the photography just to get that skill and build that skill up? I mean, it helps, but why not just try it with the photography, you know, because I don't think you can mess it up. Um, it's not like, Oh, but you can. You get on the... We've heard some horrible stories. Oh, yeah? Like you really what? can't mess up. Like, okay. I want to hear <laughs> Some these. people just aren't salesmen. Yeah. You know? And so would it, would it be, because you've been doing sales for a while, you know, medical sales yeah. probably isn't one of the easiest things either. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, my background is in sales, but, um, you know, there's... How much of that advantage do you think that's given you, you know, just having those skills of talking to people, relating to them, figuring out their problems so you can give them a solution, and how much have you used that? to you know put that into your photography sales as well well it's hard to say because i've got no comparison of me without that knowledge you it's know just who I mean? you are right it's just kind of who okay. i am and you know it, it helps on in all aspects of photography and you know with the the print sales the speaking and workshops and whatnot but i i would say um just be you it, you know we went to dinner me and my brother in seattle um and it was kind of funny, the gal that was serving us put on this kind of fake, high-pitched, caring voice. And oh, hey, how's it going, guys? Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> and it, a good example. I could tell. Like that? that was really good. I, yeah. That was, that was almost her. I've done some acting before. Yeah. <laughs> without the facial hair. <laughs> okay. And, She's uh, cuter then. Okay. So she, you know, she kind of put on that, like, that, that caring voice and, you know, and nothing wrong with it, but it was not her. It wasn't genuine, yeah. And, you know, she seems like a really nice, caring person, too. But just be you. Like, mm. don't don't have to alter. And it's kind of funny. It's like playing poker. Like, people think, like, they need this poker face. And, <laughs> you know, and, and when someone's about to purchase, you do get kind of this, like, all right, don't screw it up. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, little, it's almost there. It's like so close. Yeah. Tension or whatever. I really need this, guys. <laughs> right? Like, desperation comes across and so sure sure yeah i've seen people like you know be right to the point of making a sale this is just in general sales Mm -hmm. in general Mm -hmm. and and then they're like well if you do it right now i'll give you like a 40 percent discount and it's like yeah why'd you just do that like don't feel like you've got to fill words just you know say hey what do you think about oh you like it Mm -hmm. hey i think it'd look good on your wall don't don't you and Mm -hmm. just talk like 
Um, that's a little car salesy, but yeah. you know, um, some people when they walk into the booth and they're starting to talk about like, oh, that would look good on the fireplace, and oh, that would be, you know, just start talking. Oh, you know, it seems like you like this picture. Have you been there before? Oh, mm. like what does it mean to you? And get them talking about the story. Um, right, right. Number one mistake when when sales go south is people just don't ask for the business. People are talking to me at the shows, you know, they're looking at things, they're discussing, but unless I say, so what do you think? Would you like to take the next steps? You know, we could get this delivered, you know, ask them to purchase. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. It's not, you know, let me sit in the corner and wait for somebody to say, hey, I want to buy that. It's just, it's not like a grocery store. These are Mm. actually transactions that need somebody (laughs) to say, so would you like that? Mm -hmm. Could we get it delivered? And it's not pushy to tell them, do you want to buy this? To say that line. It's not that you're pressuring them now. You actually are breaking through the ice of the potential next step that they might never break through if you don't just say, so let's go for it. Would you like to buy this? What size Mm -hmm. would you like to Mm -hmm. get? What would be interested in? What would be two of your best, like these are like pickup lines. What are your best sales <laughs> lines to break the ice right there to get them thinking? You mentioned one where it's like, would you like to go further or take the next step? Is that what you typically say? Well, it's it's not scripted. And so it's hard no, for me course, to like every, every time it's different. So I don't have like a phrase that, that goes in, you know, every time. Um, but a lot of the times, instead of saying, would you like to purchase it? Just, you know, say, oh, would you like metal or, or acrylic? Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. kind of. You start giving them the options, right? Giving them options. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, would you like it or not? You know, which would you like, acrylic mm-hmm. or you lean them more, more to the metal? And then mm-hmm. it'd start, well, I think if we did this, I think the acrylic would make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and then you just talk about, all right, they're, they're, they're serious. Otherwise, they would say, oh, no, we're just looking. Right. And now right. what? And you never give a person a chance to say, no, I'm not buying. You don't ask a yeah. question that results in no. Right. It's always mm-hmm. the question of which type, which one, which <laughs> mm-hmm. go. And it's all just person to person. I'm glad it's not scripted. Yeah. yeah. So Royce mentions, as well as Yakita Waters. I'm going to say Yakita. It might be Jaquita. You know Jaquita? Oh, yeah. So does she oh. pronounce it Jaquita? Uh-huh. Or do you just yeah. joke around? Okay, Jaquita Waters. Because <laughs> I want to say Yakita. Though, you know, I'm yeah. sure it's that way. She asks, do you give discounts on purchases? And then Royce has a discount question after that. Hmm. Yeah, you know, discounting is, is you know, hard because you, you do want to take care of friends and family and, you know, and, you know, offer the best value that you can. At the same time, it's not really fair to per- people who have purchased your, your work at full price. And so mm. rather than discounting, I like to give bonuses like, you know, well, here at the show, you know, if you if you buy this piece, you know, snag a bin printer too, or um, you know, tell you what I'll do. Oh, is, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, that's good. If you'd like that upgrade, uh, you know, I, I can discount the frame, but not the piece. Okay, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so you're discounting something that's not relative to the photograph itself. Um, discount the accessory more than yeah. the actual print or yeah. the artwork. It's kind of like phones. Yeah, like yeah. iPhones are not discounted, but you could get you know, a few accessories for free or, <laughs> you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Or commit your life to Verizon. So yeah. <laughs> Royce Bear says, concerning the discounts, towards the end of the art show season, do you ever have slow selling stock? And do you ever discount these? Or do you feel like mm-hmm. discounts distract or devalues your other work? Yeah, you know, it can devalue it, um, definitely. You know, if it's a certain price point, like, 
what does it speak to to your customers when when you're discounting? And and I won't say that I have not discounted because I have. Um, push them, guys. Push them hard next. A lot of the times, <laughs> a lot of the times, you know, I'll I'll discount if they purchase multiple pieces, mm-hmm. right? And that's mm-hmm. that's another way that you could motivate somebody. Oh well, you're down to the two. If you get both, you know, I could knock you know ten percent on your overall purchase. In that scenario, I, I you know have done some discounts. Okay, um, and that makes sense. Yeah, it's more of a volume discount yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, we got tons of questions, so I'll jump through some more. Do you think that there's a future in OLED digital frames, mm. um, where that's scrolling through the digital the photos? Yeah, yeah. I've been approached by a lot of. Um, I don't know if there are several companies or if it's the same company trying to approach me through different people. There's a product out there that I have seen that, wow, like it, it's pretty awesome. And you print on a transparency and it's almost like, you know, a backlit. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. instead of loading a digital photo on a scrolling frame. And I don't know if that's the question, if it's, you know, I don't know the technology. I'm not sure what the OLED would be digital, no. yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful screen on OLED screen instead okay. of just an LCD screen that you can see the squares and pixels. So yeah. it's like... Mm-hmm way beautiful looking compared to what we have now. I get mm. really nervous giving my digital files to anybody to upload because, you know, it could really be taken from there. I had a, um, true, true. a, a offer to purchase my, you know, images for scrolling it like a, a retirement community center. And I said no to it just for that purpose because two things, I guess I could size it to, their display, mm-hmm. which still mm-hmm. doesn't give them print ready files, but it's still possible. Like they could still, if they fell into the wrong hands or if someone, I don't know, there's just, I, I will say no to certain things if it's not, you know, totally controlled by me, I guess, as far as like my files. Hmm. Um, but I will say that the transparency idea is kind of cool. The backlit screen where that where there's a legitimate print being produced and then thrown on that backlit screen i've i've seen really cool things like that kind of like the movie theaters you know those movies yeah the posters have back the backlit yeah posters frames mm-hmm. yeah yeah light boxes yeah, yeah light yeah. boxes so let's go through another teaching side because we have a bunch of questions right here that might be answered all together. And I, guys, I am not going to get through all these questions with Ryan unless he just moves in here and stays the night and we continue tomorrow morning. So <laughs> let's go through. All nighter. We should do a marathon. Oh, oh my gosh. If, if we do a world record. Like telethon, a, like a donate to Photog hour. Adventures 24 yeah, hours. Yeah, the longest stream, <laughs> podcast stream. You know, we really should someday, and you'd be great to have. We have you in here, Royce in here. We would just rotate their guests. We just rotate their guests. That would be awesome, and we wouldn't sit on these chairs because these chairs are horrible to sit on. New Year's. That would be awesome. That would be so much fun. Out shooting somewhere where we've got that connection. Okay. Anyway, I got to stop thinking about that awesome dream. So the question is about file size for printing large, and so basically I want to learn right now. You've got in Lightroom a choice to change your aspect ratio on your crop and to actually crop an image for a specific 16.9, but also you have all the different print sizes you can even choose. Mm -hmm. How do you handle that? What do you do with your photo? Do you actually choose one size and keep it that way and then crop and go with different print sizes? Or do you only have one print size best for every photo? And then the other stuff I wanted to teach us is 
dealing with file sizes, what should we have as a best practice for our pictures in order to have a large image? Does it need to be X amount size of resolution? That kind of information. Well, and it's kind of funny, like I alluded to earlier, I'm kind of a hack, you know, just like who knows if I'm doing things right. But in Lightroom, when I export- This is Ryan's practices, not best practices. <laughs> I'll export Ryan's. to a TIFF, I'll also export to a JPEG. TIFF's got more information. It seems like my printers, you know, like TIFF files. However, yeah, yeah. I will say, that exporting to a JPEG seems to have fewer issues on their end at times for printing. And so <laughs> one of my labs, they prefer JPEG, the other lab a TIFF, uh, so that they could help out, you know, when, when needed. But um, typically I'll, you know, export 300 DPI, um, 60 to 80 inches on the long edge, uh, sometimes 96 if I know it's going to be one of those, you know, really long files. And then typically I'll just send that. And if I need something smaller, I let the pros figure that out for me. If at they need the print read, shop at lab. At the print shop. I don't mm. want to tell, you know, a, a pro what they need to do on their end, but I've, I've had success with it thus far. So the fewer things that I have to think about, the better. Huh, right. It's always easier to scale down, right? So if you send them a large file, right. it's much think, easier for them to scale down. I think. I don't know. It is. It is. Yeah, so okay. do you crop yeah. any of your images for specific print sizes or leave them all as the original size that is not 16.9 and it's I, not typically the size you print? I crop and stretch all the time. I've got a Nepali <laughs> Coast shot that was a 40 by 60 crop, you know, a 2-3 ratio or a 3-4, mm -hmm. whatever that is. I don't want to do math tonight. <laughs> Me neither. But um, it's one you know of the what, two. Anything. And they're like, hey, could you do a pano-like version? We want that over our couch like you have on the wall. And I'm like, oh, maybe <laughs> and I'm like mm. if I go to a one to three ratio from a two three or you know I'm thinking oh I'm gonna stretch off. the heck out of this or mm. cut it so what I did at the art show is I just pulled the image up and I started stretching and playing with it and it came out you know fairly nice and so um, I'll crop an image because I think composition is more important than losing some pixels I crop all the time nice uh, I've got this really neat horse picture from Colorado that's a single image and blown up to a, an 84 inch size you know it's not the prettiest picture um, and it's honestly I've probably cut like you know 40 percent of the pixels out mm. of that single frame because you can't you can't get any bigger you can't really I couldn't do a pano stitch of, of that horse and hope that he was sitting there in the position that he was. Yeah. But I've printed really big, cut a ton of resolution out of that shot for the purpose of cropping, but it worked. I will tell you what, customers um, do not see what we see. You know, we walk up, I'll walk up to that print and just cringe and be like, <laughs> yeah. I Chromatic love aberration, it. pixel peeping, oh. blurriness, yeah. But they don't see it. They see a beautiful horse mm. in front of Colorado Mountains and they want it. Mm. And when you, you know, like if you point it out to a photographer, they're like, you know, like. They're like, that sells really? <laughs> right? And, <laughs> like, really? and it's, it's all the, it's, you want to show your best images and your best foot forward at the same time. It drives me nuts too. I got this, um, I got this, uh, this request. And she's like, hey, I want to get a print of this. And I was waiting for it to load. And I looked at it and I'm like, oh my gosh, my eyes hurt. It was like a <laughs> photograph of Timp on the backside that's almost like glowing and hurting my eyes <laughs> yeah. that I took like four or five years ago. Oh. And I'm thinking, 
I thought I was getting better. <laughs> Sometimes, like I had a conversation with her. Hey, listen, this is kind of when I was, you know, not not really good, and I'm glad you like this photo, but let's pick something else because I really don't have the resolution to to maintain a large print of that. Mm-hmm. Um, thank goodness. I'm sure I could have found the old file, but it was just not. <laughs> People, that gives you motivation to go back and get the shot does. again, right? It does. Same conditions yeah. get so out that there. Happens. <laughs> that happens. That happens occasionally. So Diane Marsh says, do you collect in full at a show before it is printed and delivered? Do I do what? Collect full. full like the oh, full price. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. at the show and yeah, then they they're get They're purchasing the, it in advance. Yeah. Awesome. Joe Reese says, where do you find places to sell? I mean, how do you decide which shows to do and what shows are a waste of time? Mm. Oh, it's always tough. So... If, if I'm – my setup time is is what it is regardless of the show. So a lot of that depends on what shows I do. And because I'm full-time working, I have to be really picky at the shows. And so mm. a good show for me is anywhere like from 40,000 people in attendance or more. I find that anything below that is is kind of like not – it's not that it's not worth time – but for me and what I need out of a show, it, it's not worth my time. But I would definitely, you know, walk a show. This is what I used to do too. Like if I was thinking about jumping into a particular show, I'll go and check it one out. year and check it out mm. and see what's selling and see what people are saying and, and before I ever jump in. And yeah, you have to wait a year, but you save a bad show, you know, from happening. Mm. <laughs> um, also, beware of shows who are trying to recruit you with free booth space. Really? <laughs> that's the bad thing? Well, that's a show that's, you know, they're trying to get people there by recruiting you. And so... Hmm. Which means they don't have the numbers, the volume that you need. Yeah. yeah. It's the classic situation where they approach you. It's for their benefit, not yours. Right. The best one is when they've been approached to us and said, hey, it only costs this much uh, for a booth. But I don't know. It was, yeah. it was weird. It was that raw <laughs> thing. And just like, no, no, no. I looked into him. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to waste my money with that. Yeah. Yeah. No. You know, and, and I'll be honest, you know, I've spent $4,000 for a three-day weekend booth, you know. And some people are like you know, oh my gosh, but the value was there for me right. to do that. So some people, you know, might might choke a little bit um, or get sick about thinking about spending that much. I'm actually looking at a show, you know, that might be ten to $14,000 just in space. So you got to make that wow. back just immediately just to wa- make get a wash, get a so, even, yeah. even split. Wow. That's some of the big What's things the that I've, I've got going and it's like, I'm starting to choke myself again. You know, like, uh, do I want to put that kind of investment into myself? <laughs> wow, yeah. So this has been fantastic, guys. We have 50 of you guys in this with us right now. Wow. We had wow. as much as 67 and maybe even more that I didn't notice. So thank you guys for joining us. We have two more questions, line, yeah. and yeah. then we're going to call it quits before we hit the two-hour mark. Yeah. And wow. so, I was say, we're almost at two hours now. <laughs> so, guys, we got the question, and this is something that we all experience as photographers who are going full-time and trying to balance life. So mm. Paul says, with having a day job, family, etc., how often do you spend actual shooting versus running the business? Yeah, that's you know that's a big thing. You know, I was talking to my good buddy Aaron Reed, and you know um, he's full time photography. And when he jumped over onto the full time side a few years back, uber successful. 
the less shooting that he does. You know, I think mm. he gets out for two or three trips. He does workshops too, so that allows him to get out and shoot a little bit. But you know, he's he's paying attention more to the clients and right, right. You know that that's the thing too with with me and doing workshops. It's about their experience and about their enjoyment and can i sacrifice this blazing sunset for them to get the shot right and luckily you know a <laughs> lot of the times you know you're showing them something on the camera and and people are you know having a good time you get a shot or two but um definitely fewer personal trips um where i really want to go is still on the back burner because mm. you know workshops and running the business and then it's okay, do I want to do a workshop or do I want to do an art show and making that decision? Um, so family has been absolutely supportive, amazing uh, to be able to have a family that believes in me and, and pursues the talent and sees that it's not about just the money that in the income potential, but that it, you know, that it makes me happy and, and makes me a, a, a good, you know, a good person to be mm -hmm. around. And a lot of the times we'll plan trips together and go out and shoot and the kids are enjoying it. And so it's, right, it's really right. a family affair then, um, you know, we're all involved. So that is nice. We can do that. <laughs> the yeah. balance. It's tough. It yeah. is brutal. Last question. And this comes just you personally. Where do you find inspiration? Where are the people that inspire you out there as a printing or landscape photographer? Oh, man, I, I would so just jump into all my inspirations. I mean, I get inspired by everybody who, who's around me. Um, so I can't really start naming off a huge list. You forget someone keep, if you do. Yeah, mm. and I'd, I'd, I'd feel bad, but I'll tell you what. It's definitely like, one of these podcasts. It's definitely one of them. Yeah. <laughs> inspiring no. <laughs> it is actually you guys are awesome um i will say that it's just so hard to answer that question but um you know i will say too like inspiration that comes is by my friends and, and my family and just you know pursuing and believing in me um you know it, it, i will say that kind of alluding to back as we were talking about there's no reason for us as a photography community to not support one another mm. like really we're not in competition we're in collaboration and the, the collaborators are the ones who just take off uh, and really become uber successful some of the top guys in this industry are just the most humble genuine people um, you know, that I know occasionally I get, Hey, so was so-and-so really that nice? Like he portrays himself right, to be on right. YouTube and, and they are, um, you know, and without naming names, I could just go on and on, but <laughs> yeah, we've got hard to names answer as that well. question, yeah. but well, I'll use this comment to segue into asking the question. Ryan is a great guy. Greg says, learned a lot from him on his icons tours. So ah, icons nice. tours, where can people find your workshops? Where can people find your work and where can people pay money to hang out with you? Yeah. So <laughs> captureicons.com is the workshop website. And, uh, you know, it's on the back of the hat. Back there, of the hat. So yeah. the, you know. I'm so stoked to have a hat. That I can sweat and not worry about because it's not one of mine. That's right. <laughs> it looks good. It's a good looking hat. I really am jealous of the icon. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to pay Phil Delicate Monson. Arch anything to do that? Well, so Phil Monson has a great lineup of um, Entrada Outdoors is his company, and mm. he designs logos and brands oh, for people. Oh, nice, and, Phil. And he was so kind because I, he had already designed a, a night and a daytime uh, Delicate Arch shot in the logo, and I said, 
dude, hey, you know, what do you think? Could, could you combine the two and make me a, a logo? Because I do nighttime workshops and daytime. Oh, so it kind of nice. insinuates that. Yeah, I love it. And, it's really good. Uh, you know, and, and icons aren't just where we go, but it's the people around us. And, you know, anybody that, that's been on our workshop, like Greg will tell you, we truly, our difference is, you know, we're a family. Kind of like you guys have that family feel. I'm not the most knowledgeable photographer that's going to teach everybody exactly what they know. And, right, you know, there's right. things to learn from everybody. But I will say that family-friendly feel and good times is what we're all about. So captureicons.com, everything sold out for this year. Uh, but I will be releasing 2020 um, fairly soon. And, you know, there might be a surprise one or two workshops pop up this year. So join the updates list. Um, that's where to find me. RyanSmithFineArt.com is, is where my website is currently, but it's nothing fancy to look at. I'm in development of a, a professional website. Instagram, Capture Icons, um, or Ryan Smith Fine Art Photos, where to find me on there. Cool. And then a little plug for the Outsiders. Stay tuned on yeah. what the Outsiders is. Secret mm. Outsiders announcement nice. coming up. Outsiders Photo. Yeah, I'd like to be nice. an outsider. Yeah. Instead of at a <laughs> instead desk. Of an, instead of an insider. At a desk or all the timer. <laughs> at a desk. Yeah. That's right. So guys, we say this on our podcast, we say this in our videos. If you like this content, don't thank us. Thank our patrons out there, the guys who are supporting us with their real money, supporting and helping and founding Photog Adventures. So thank you guys so much for making tonight possible. It was really expensive to get Ryan to come join us. Oh my gosh, the finder's fee alone was insane. <laughs> insane. I no, in I fact, you dinner. Actually, actually, I was say, in fact, he didn't actually get paid. He paid for us to have dinner tonight. <laughs> so win-win. Thank you so much, Ryan, for joining thank us. Thank you guys. Thank yeah, you so much. It. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for, for joining. tuning in. Yeah, you guys have been awesome. Great Thank questions. You. These yeah, guys have all said really nice things. I'm now going back inside. Very inspirational. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for mission. Thanks for the info. See you at the Tetons. Thank you so much. Great show. Ah, great show. Great yeah. show. A lot of hearts. A lot of love. Thank you guys Man, so much. You guys are awesome. Have Thanks, a great guys. night. Get some food. I'm going to go turn off the live over here. I have no idea how to do that fast.